This is an episode you don't want to miss. Today, we'll unravel the basis of the powerful modality of quantum healing. We'll explore how the quantum perspective provides a unique lens through which we can understand our own power and healing potential. Get ready to embark on an enlightening journey of self-discovery as we dive into the world of quantum healing and how it can change your life and the world. Let's begin. This is Holistic Counseling, the podcast for mental health therapists who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic modalities and build their practice with confidence. I'm your host, Chris McDonald, licensed therapist. I am so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome back to the Holistic Counseling Podcast. In today's episode, we embark on a fascinating journey into the world of quantum healing. Whether you're someone seeking healing from your own past or curious to explore the depths of the human psyche, this episode will give you a deeper understanding of self and mental health concerns, all from a quantum lens. We also discuss the profound potential for transformation and healing that lies within all of us. Today's guest is Bobby Apiron, and he is a love-realized quantum physician. He navigated the Western medicine system seeking answers to his own suffering, but found only dead ends and partial solutions. This led him to embark on a journey of the soul to acquire deeper truths about the nature of his reality and the human condition. Bobby seeks to eradicate the viral mentality of fear, separation, and captivity to empower freedom and self-mastery of the body, mind, heart, and soul. Each of these expressions are ways that he manifests his ultimate mission and purpose, which is to accelerate the evolution of consciousness to bring heaven on earth. Welcome to the podcast, Bobby. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yes. Uh, Can you share with my listeners a little bit more about how you got started with what you're doing now? Yeah, definitely. So I went through Western medicine training I received my MD at the University of Nevada, Reno School of Medicine, and then went over to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill to complete what I thought to be a pathology um, residency program. About six months into that pathology residency training, I had a spiritual awakening. We can go into a little bit more of that in detail later on if you'd like, but part of that process was feeling like I was almost waking up from a trance. And realizing that, hey, this isn't necessarily the path that, that I want to go down. And looking deeply into kind of the, the processes that cause human suffering, kind of the experiences, the expressions, the creations, the manifestations that we are all experiencing and finding the commonalities, finding the patterns between each of us. You know, what is, what is the human condition, really? And how do we heal it? Because at the root cause of all disease, from my perspective, is a perceived separation from self, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so many of, of these diseases that we see, these expressions, these manifestations of disease are, are coming from a, a deeper root cause. Most of them are symptoms. And so when we can get to the root cause of perceived separation from self, source, God, whatever word we want to use to describe that, then we can finally understand, appreciate, acknowledge, and heal. So I realized, you know, going into Western medicine, I wanted to heal myself. I wanted to heal others. And to me, I didn't see a lot of that happening. And so I stepped over into what I would say more of a synthesized or integrated approach where I take the understanding that 
I learned, the, the knowledge I gained, the wisdom I obtained from Western medicine, and went over to the Eastern side and learned about mysticism, spirituality, esoteric practices, philosophy, and metaphysics, many different topics, and kind of merged them together into what I now do uh, and how I support people in their ultimate healing. Which we love here on the Holistic Counseling Podcast because a lot of therapists listening, some are just on their starting their journey and moving from traditional psychotherapy and talk therapy, which is the basics of what we do. And then moving to more holistic, it is kind of that integration, isn't it? Definitely. Blending. And I love how you said that, the blending of the two. Yes, exactly. Either extreme is going to be incomplete, right? So if we can, when we can bring, you know, the dark and the light, the day, the night together, the East and the West and merge them, take the best from each side and bring them together in one holistic perspective, right? One whole complete experience. Mm-hmm. then we no longer perceive the other as separate from itself. Yes, because everything is connected. And you describe yourself as a quantum physician. So this is new to me. Help me out, yeah. Bobby. What does that mean? <laughs> so I, I use the term uh, quantum physician to describe the fact that a physician is one who cures or, or heals ailments. Actually, the original definition is ailments of the soul or the spirit. Oh, yeah. Which is deep, right? I feel that many times uh, we've kind of forgotten the roots of these words, the roots of what these words mean, and the words have power. So a physician is one who cures or heals ailments of the soul or the spirit. And so that's what I do. Now, how how do I do that? I use my understanding of quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Now, this word quantum has kind of been thrown around, used, misused, used appropriately um, to describe many different things, processes, experiences. So the way I use it is as more of a bridge to bring the left brain, the logical linear approach that humanity takes to these experiences and merge it with the right, which would be the feminine energy. So the masculine on the left, the feminine on the right. And the quantum is now the science, the linear aspect to describe or understand more deeply and more intimately spirituality. So I intentionally don't want to make anyone fear or, or feel, oh, well, what's this spirituality stuff, right? What's this? What's this stuff? This is for yogis and mystics and people on mountains. No, I want to bring it down to the people. I want to bring it down to a level that we can apply these concepts apply these practices on our day-to-day life and integrate them into our societal human experience so that we can create a better world. Yeah, because we're all spiritual beings, whether we know it or not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so tapping into that. And and I think that's true with a lot of people even think like meditation, you have to be a Buddhist monk or you know, <laughs> sitting on the mountaintop in order to do these practices. But you know, it's for everyone, all these healing practices and modalities. Yes, And bringing it into the homes, right? Like what you're doing, bringing it into the home, into the, into the car. Maybe someone is driving to work one day and there's something going on with traffic and they're running a little bit behind. How do we regulate the nervous system so that we don't react? We don't become triggered by that experience. We can't necessarily always control things outside of us, but we can always look within. Yes. And control our reaction to things. Yes, exactly. So I guess, was there other things about traditional medicine that discouraged you specifically? Yes. I would say, you know, from the first time 
I went into or started medical school, the first exam, it was very much a continuation of undergrad. So I set myself up for a bit of a bit of disillusionment there where I was expecting, you know, this the gates of heaven to open <laughs> and oh, all of the the doctors and the sages throughout the generations come forth and welcome me into this fraternity, into this tribe, into this this gathering, this collective. And I w- immediately realized that that, that didn't happen. If anyone had that experience, please send them my way. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> But I, uh, yeah, it was just immediate disillusionment. And that kind of spiraled downhill, I would say, throughout the rest of my experience. I'm very much a people person. I love people. I love working with people. I love spending time with people, hearing stories and listening, deeply listening to what is causing them suffering. And throughout the process of medical school, I felt that it was a systematic jading process, almost becoming more and more detached, more and more separate from who I was before medical school and becoming this identity, this this role, this personage of, of a doctor, following, almost fitting into an archetype, right? Like you, me, and archetypes and other archetypes that throwing on the hat or taking the role, the perspective of the doctor in Western medicine requires that we then ascribe to a certain set of beliefs. And a lot of these beliefs didn't resonate with me. So I had gone into this kind of conflict of, oh, okay, well, you know, I have to be this way to to be a physician, but that's not my nature. That's not my approach. What did that bring up in you emotionally? Powerlessness. It brought up powerlessness and almost, almost a necessitating to be something I was not. So a, a victimization also. Right. I felt I had committed so much time and energy into this this experience and it didn't at all turn out to what I thought it would be. Deceit. I mean, I again put it on a pedestal and that could have been my own perspective, but I can tell you I'm not alone in this. I have many people who I have worked with who feel very much the same way and they feel stuck. I mean, I have four hundred thousand dollars of of loans. Oh my goodness. That that I'm gonna have to pay off. So and I, I won't be making that type of salary that would be able to to pay that off. Or maybe I will, we'll see. But put it out there and manifest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll create that. So clear cancel delete. But yeah, I'll, just a lot of uh, realizing that, you know, this isn't the way. And I thought this it was the way. This isn't the way, yeah. I was thinking that, you know, this is the truth. I was seeking truth. I was yeah. seeking the one right way to live, the one right way to be. That had to be very disillusioning for you, just that whole process. I'm trying to think of going in there just wide-eyed, like, yes, this is what I want to do, and then being like, what the, what is this, right? Yeah, most definitely. And then the step deeper than that is the realization or the understanding that I went through that whole process so that I could better understand it, so that I could see what was happening, so that I could feel what was happening so that I could know, therefore gaining the wisdom to be able to move forward in the way that I am moving forward, to be able to support this current model or to support in creating a new one. And that's what you did. And that's exactly what I did. It's emerging. But that's so cool, though, that you didn't drop out. So you went and just went through with it and wanted to learn as much as you could and then taking that and integrating and with these other learnings and... But it did take me all the way to pathology. <laughs> so yes. I became so jaded 
and being, you know, there are people who don't want to heal themselves. Yeah. And it's really hard to help someone, support someone who doesn't want to help themselves for a, any any reason that that is. Of right? course. Yeah. And so that's that's really just exemplary to how jaded I had truly become, that I would go all the way from human interaction, you know, family medicine is actually what I was thinking, uh, all the way to the microscope and looking at the cell, which they don't talk, at least in the way that we understand. And you like people? <laughs> and I do. Yeah. Oh now, that's not to say that I could have gone into family medicine and done my own, right? That there are many physicians True. out there who are doing that. And I, I gratefully honor them and I, and I thank them for what they're doing to create true health and healing. And I'd like to just take a moment to kind of define what healing... Yeah, what is how healing? I, how I use healing, right? A lot of people throw Use around, that word, yeah. And what does it mean? So for me, healing is looking at healing and annealing or bringing together all aspects of self, loving all aspects of self, meaning we may be experiencing certain creations. We may be experiencing certain manifestations. We may be experiencing certain symptoms, certain diseases, but it's showing love to those processes, to those experiences, those expressions, so that we know within ourselves that there is no separation between the two. So it's bringing all aspects together into one, thanking the disease, thanking the symptom for what it is teaching us. That's hard, Bobby. It's very difficult. It is very difficult to And do. I think of the mental health too, like, because as therapists, when we have people that they push against, right? I don't want this anxiety, depression. I'm just resisting, resisting it. And that just causes them all the more problems. And it's so hard to be like, thank you. <laughs> That would be a question mark I can see. Oh my gosh, I know that from personal experience. You know that I, too, yeah. I've been di- I was diagnosed uh, originally with bipolar disorder and then substance abuse disorder. So you've disorder. had your own journey with this. And- yes, definitely. And I actually, you know, Chris, it's interesting. My greatest fear going through medical school, even before that, was having a mental health disorder. That was my greatest fear on the planet of my human experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And... In facing that fear and eventually accepting that, once I was able to accept and release it, guess what? The bipolar diagnosis literally transformed into anxiety. So through a process of understanding, accepting, loving, knowing, hey, this experience, this symptomology, this expression is here to teach me to face my greatest fear. Once you are able to face your greatest fear, then you can truly be free. Say that again. Once you are able to face your greatest fear. Then and only then can you truly be free. For if you do not face your fear, then that fear will continue to control your life. Think about it in the case of addiction, right? So we have people who say, okay, I'm an addict. First of all, what are they doing when they say, I'm an addict? Yeah, I know. (laughs) We have positive affirmations for a reason. Now that is a positive, negative affirmation you're creating and manifesting with the spoken word disease. Now. How do most, how is most addiction, you know, recovery treated? It's, oh, I'm admitting that I am what? Powerless. Powerless. What? If someone's powerless, how can they ever change? How, how can how do they feel that they have the power to change, right? And then what's another big part of addiction recovery is, oh, deny that substance, resist it. But we know from Newtonian physics, that which resists persists. Any force met by an equal but opposite force, right? Any force that is applied will be met by an equal but opposite force. So when we resist something, all we're doing is actually creating, again, 
both sides of that. Now, this is getting into the deeper spirituality. This is this is the deeper understanding of the subconscious mind, of the collective unconscious. So when one says I'm an addict, they step now into the archetype of addiction. What's an archetype? It's a God. So now they see that God and the God feeds them, nourishes them with thoughts of addiction, nourishes them with words of addiction, nourishes them with actions, behaviors of addiction. So, and in turn, then the addict now will continue to feed the archetype. And what is our success rate? I was just going to, I was just, we and you are in the same psychic plane, I swear. It's like, yes, I was just thinking like, what is the relapse? Because I'm thinking of people in my family who's had addiction and the relapse rate is just, what is it, 90% or something? You nailed it, 90%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I think those studies were, but they're recent enough, you know? Yeah. I think it's actually getting worse. (laughs) I'm sure with the pandemic and all that. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense with that, what we resist persists. And so that's where it's loving the addiction. What is the addiction actually showing us? And again, you can replace the addiction with any other diagnosis, any other disease. What is this teaching us about ourselves? Because again, the root cause of all disease, like I said, is a perceived separation of cells. So every disease, every symptom, every manifestation, every behavior is just showing us how far away the tension we're creating between ourselves and not selves. So that thing about if I had a rubber band right there, it's just going to pull, 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 pull. Now there are two forces. I can either continue to force it and it's eventually going to snap. Now I've hit what? Despair, isolation, depression, suicidal, ideation. Here though, this tension is causing what? The whole time, anxiety, stress, separation. So Now, if I'm able to come back together into myself, then I'm able to be in alignment. An aligned being, an aligned individual has full power. We can think about it too, if I had a pipe, the flow of energy, the flow of light, the flow of water, whatever we want to think of it as. Again, these are just analogies, metaphors, but I can't have a continuous flow or a connection if I'm so far removed from myself. So when we say I have depression, right, we identify with the depression. Now or it I'm, or I'm an anxious person. I hear that a lot. Instead of I'm feeling anxiety because we are not our feelings. We are not our thoughts. We are not. We are, we are so much more. Right. We are I am. I am is the infinite. It is oneness. It is knowing that you are me and I am you. It is looking at you saying namaste. The divine in me sees the divine, the divine in, in you. you. Yes. But we can't see it in another until we can see it in ourselves. Think about this. Mania, part of a bipolar diagnosis. Do you know what mania means in Greek? What's it mean? It's one of the seven perspectives of love. It means obsessive self-love. Now, what have we done in our society? We've taken the word mania, obsessive self-love. It was a beautiful thing. And we demonized it. We've now disordered diagnosis. it. What about this? Diagnosis. Diagnosis. Gnosis is to know. Agnostic, right? Not know. So gnosis is to know. Dia, day, deus, God, to know God. Whoa. Mind blown, right? So every time you diagnose someone, you are playing God. You are labeling and identifying that client, that patient. And you are telling them you are becoming the authority, the author. What does an author do? Write a story, narrative. You are telling them who they are to play in your world instead of allowing them, giving them the opportunity, the space, the divinity to choose how they are to author their own experience. 
I didn't read this in a book. I had to experience this personally. Yes, exactly. I think that's what's interesting about you is you've had your own journey through this and you're not just, you know, reading something or quoting someone else. It's really what you've been through and learned along the way. And I'm so grateful for those learnings. If I had never gone into the darkness, I would have never been able to appreciate how bright it could be. Yeah, yeah. So I know you said, you talk, we talked a little with diagnosis. So is there anything else you wanted to add about that? I know when we talked before, you, you really had a lot to say about that. And what does it cause with diagnosis? What happens when we diagnose with clients? Oh, yeah. So think about putting a label on something, right? We all know what a chicken and a duck is, but say... We grew up in different parts of the world and I was raised to believe that a duck was a chicken and you were raised to believe that a chicken was a duck. I only know that a duck is a duck because my mom told me that a duck is a duck. You only know that a chicken is a chicken because someone in your experience told you that a chicken is a chicken. So when I look at that duck and I see a duck and you look at that duck and you see a chicken, are either of us incorrect? No. We're just incomplete. So it's being able to look at both perspectives. Now, what happens when we are incomplete? So every label, every diagnosis, anyone in the, in the DSM-5, right, and include all physical science for that matter, any diagnosis or label that we place on someone, something, it's just a partial truth. So what is a partial truth? Therefore, a lie. So to get the whole picture, we must be able to open our minds and open our hearts to see the other's perspectives, to, again, heal and anneal all of those perspectives. Because you're not necessarily wrong or one is not necessarily incorrect for saying, oh, I'm observing these symptoms in another, right? These are expressions. And when you see someone who is, is psychotic, when you see someone who is going through, through an acute phase, it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Now, those observations though, again, with science, right? That's observations are being made and they've been so refined and limited that we have forgotten to look outside the box. So we've forgotten to look at what that individual is experiencing on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Now, there are many other planes of existence. Those are just the primary four that I use for simplicity's sake. But what I mean by that is the physical body may be here, but the emotional body is literally removed. It's not in the body. It can't handle being there. Stories, I think, explain these, these concepts very well. So I had a woman at a retreat that I was running beautiful soul. And she had just returned actually after COVID from a foreign country where she was stationed. And she came back to the United States, first time, completely different. Could you imagine coming back to the United States and not even being here for, she didn't even know what was going on. So she came back and she was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing here. So she came to my retreat. At the retreat, she had an experience where what I would say psychology would call, you know, an anxiety attack, a panic attack. And to me, it, it was truly, I could see her, her energy. And when I say see, I don't mean I'm hallucinating. I mean that I'm observing, deeply listening and experiencing the difference between who and what I am and who and what she is outside of me. And comparing and relating her experience to my prior experience because I've been there before. So I could see and I could see that her emotional body was literally not present. It was just out. And so I went in and most people would say, you know, breathe into a bag or, oh, let's get you to the hospital, right? She was about to be ready to go to the emergency room. Like it was that, that bad. And so then I just had her breathe and I just came in, put my hand on her belly 
and add her focus or awareness on her breath, activating the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So now we're slowing down, regulating the nervous system and allowing that energy to equilibrate, to homeostase. So I did not put that label or name anything that she experienced. By remaining and keeping it unlimited, she was able to move forward in the day to actually eventually have a mystical experience, a cosmic awareness experience where she realized, became aware of her oneness with all of creation. Now imagine a world, Chris, imagine a world where everyone knew, believed, spoke, acted as if we were one. If I, science discovered this 10 years ago, mirror neurons, look them up. Tell everyone to look them up. I highly recommend this. This will change everything you do about your practice. Really, this everyone listening, this will change everything you do. Mirror neurons, you know what they do? If I look at you and I judge you or I condemn you, I project any type of energy onto you. These are your empathy neurons. They will recreate, my body cannot tell the difference between you and me. They will recreate the same physiology, neurochemistry and biochemistry that I am projecting onto another with my consciousness, with my perspective. So then it would be two of us for our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health to look at another as if they are us. Just like in the body, there are between 37 and 100 trillion cells, Chris. I can't even fathom that. (laughs) 37 and 100 trillion cells in the human body. All of them get along, except for in cases of what? Autoimmunity and other illnesses, right? Other expressions. But let's, let's look at this deeper. What exists on each of these cells? MHC class one. MHC class one is a receptor on every cell in the body that recognizes itself. It is quite literally a cell to cell handshake. It is quite literally a sub to cell namaste. If every cell in our body can do it, why are we not able to do it with 8 billion people, which is far less than the number of cells in the body? So autoimmune disease, therefore, then is what? Not recognizing cells quite literally Bobby (laughs) I never heard of it that way before not recognizing self so that is actually one of those that was one of those experiences I had an aha an epiphany when someone came to me with an autoimmune disease and I was at first you know I put on my nutrition hat and I said oh let me uh let me just see if we can do this nutritionally and I realized though that there's a deeper issue and the nutrition is still just kind of a a symptom. It's the last thing actually now that I will do for anyone, even trying to lose weight. I've been able to support people dropping 15 pounds in a month, just focusing on healing the trauma, not even changing their weight. So the physical is the last thing to manifest. It's the most dense. So when we can look at healing and annealing, focusing on the spiritual root cause, by the way, spirit in Latin, spiritus, which means breath. It's that simple. Focusing on the breath. So when we can heal and anneal the connection between the breath and the body, between the breath, the soul, the body, mind, heart, soul, complex connection, when we can unify all of those aspects, then the natural energy, the chi, the prana, in many traditions call it many different things, but there is an energy, a creative force that will organize a higher order that created our bodies. My wife is actually pregnant. I just had, we just had our Thank you. We're super excited. We just had our baby's anatomy scan. So 20 weeks. And that happened actually just 30 minutes before I got on the podcast. (laughs) So 
in that anatomy scan, you know, we got to see, visualize, observe our child, this human life, this physical form coming into being, coming into existence with a heart, which is the first organ to manifest, the first organ to form in the body at five weeks. And it has what? Autorhythmic cells. Autorhythmic cells. That means it beats on its own. So where does it get that first beat from? Where does that come from? Something that transcends the limitations of our materialistic worldview. So it's finding the beauty in these things. It's bringing the awesome, not in the diluted sense of the word awesome, but in really experiencing the awe and wonder and amazement of our experience, not believing that we know everything because to know with the mind is to limit, to limit potentials, to limit possibility. If we believe that we know something, then we immediately disregard, push away all other perspectives, all other potentials, all other possibilities. That makes sense. I'm still caught up on what you said earlier about everybody that was, everybody knows you're connected and the cells staying each other. I was like, that's such a beautiful image too. And imagine if we did, it's like we're acknowledging ourselves and other people. I mean, how powerful is that, you know? Yes, it would change the world. It's beautiful, yeah. It is. And you know, sometimes, Chris, one of, one of the things I love about what I do now is I get to tell my students, I get to tell my clients, I love them. Yes. I can say that without any limitation. And I can say it and I can mean it. And they know I mean it. Do you know how many people I've had come to me with diagnoses of paranoid schizophrenia, bipolar, many, many, many different diagnoses in physical as well, but who have never had someone tell them that they love them. Wow. And they're 60, 70, 80, 80 years old sometimes, never had one person, Chris, tell them that mm, they love them. Sad. And love is the evolutionary force of creation, unconditional love to give without needing to receive. Think about L-O-V-E, right? What's the inversion of that? E-V-O-L, evolution. I love how you use all these <laughs> word definitions and just, <laughs> oh, this is going to be an episode listeners are going to want to listen to you more than once, I can tell. Uh, so, well, I guess that's a perfect segue into my own podcast, right? Which yes, is, uh, yes. So you started uh, a podcast. I did. And so that's uh, called Dr. Decode. And this, that's where I actually do a lot of the stuff that, um, that you're hearing right now. You're hearing me speak. I uh, go into these words. I go into these, these concepts, these ideas that our society, you know, or familial religious societal constructs that existed before, you know, I showed up. I'm 31 years old. And a lot of the world that I was born into, I just believed to be true as it was told to me, right? Between the ages of zero and seven, we're in a theta brainwave state. That's hypnotic, extremely suggestible. Everything that we perceive, we believe, and we integrate and program that into our subconscious mind, into our experience. Did you know, by the way, that the conscious mind can perceive 126 bits of information per second? relative to the unconscious mind, which takes in or subconscious. Again, these these words have been kind of kind of used in different ways, but just think of the conscious waking state, beta brainwave state versus um, the theta, uh, deeper unconscious uh, delta. So the, then the unconscious is picking up 11 million bits of information per second. 11 million. 11 million. So the conscious at 126 versus the 11 million. Right. So where do these patterns of belief, where do these patterns of expression that we learn between the ages of zero and seven get 
implanted? Where do these seeds get dropped? Think of a nice a seed as an idea. What's an idea? An ID, an identity. If we look at it from the religious perspective, an idea, an idol, worshiping false idols is simply giving our energy and attention to false ideas, lies. So when we believe that we are who others have told us we are, where is that coming from? The outside world, everything outside of us. Think about science. What are we taught to observe? The outside world. Why aren't we taught to first observe the, the inner inside. planes? Yes. And understand the outside through our deep knowledge and understanding of the inside. Because I feel like where you're coming from, it's more you you really try to empower people, don't you? And help them, lead them to their own self-healing. Yes. I, how, how does that start? Because a lot of people are skeptical and uncertain of that, right? The best way to bridge the gap between a skeptic and a believer, and really the skepticism and believing comes from an internal process. So it's not that they don't necessarily believe in me or that they're skeptical of me. They're skeptical of their own power, potential, and possibility to experience something other than what they're currently experiencing. So all I have to do is hold the space. So when we say holding space and energy healing, it just means, okay, I'm going to be present and witness. I'm going to send unconditional love. The thoughts that I have in my mind will either be not present or they will only be focused on vibrating at a frequency of unconditional love, of healing support. Meaning that's why we use words like a golden white light. That's why we use words of, of love, of of peace, of harmony, and we create this space within us, which then resonates and amplifies outside of us so that another can safely look at themselves, much like a chrysalis. So the skeptic then, where does skepticism come from? Our masculine energy, spiritually speaking, and then scientifically speaking, our logical brain or left brain, which is, again, outside of us, projected out. So how do you bridge the gap or the space between between skepticism and belief? It requires the rights of the brain, the feminine energy and spirituality. This is the dark, the yin, the unknown, the irrational versus the rational, the light, the linear, logical. So the only way to shift the masculine energy, the logic, the reason to a higher order of reason, higher order of logic is to go through the feminine, which is experience, therefore creating wisdom, knowledge, masculine, left side of the brain, logic applied through experience equals wisdom. One can have all the knowledge in the world, but if they don't experience that knowledge or apply that knowledge to support another experiencing it, the power of it, then none would be the wiser. And we live in a world with a lot of knowledge, but very little experience. And when I speak from experience, I'm not speaking from a single lifetime of experience. So you believe in past lives? I believe that there has been sufficient evidence and data to show that that is most definitely a possibility. And I've had my own personal experiences that have proven that to be true. You know, I know you were very kind to offer me a, a healing meditation, which was awesome, by the way. And I would love to experience that again someday. But for our listeners, just can you share a little bit about your process with that and what that involved? Because I, I know as experiencing it, I didn't know quite all that you were doing, but but it was powerful. Definitely. So when we think about that 126 bits of information per second on the conscious level, right? That would be equivalent to talk therapy. So attempting to affect the unconscious mind or the 111 million bits of information processing per second with going through a small funnel, right? A bottleneck. And so when we get into these relaxed stages in, in meditation, 
in breathing. It's much like a hypnosis, but the energy healing aspect behind it amplifies its power. So it's almost like a, for lack of a better way of saying it and to keep it simplified, it's it's almost like a hypnosis on steroids. But ultimately what you're doing in these energy healing practices in these spiritual traditions is you're connecting to the universal mind. So think about the universal mind as as the mind of all again, as if you and I were but neurons in a larger mind. So a collective, right? I think Jung like called it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. I think Jung called it like the collective unconscious yes. or um, mm-hmm. something like that. So when we can tap into that energy, that potential, then we know all. So what is what is God in, in religious traditions? Omnipotent, right? All-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, always there, always was, always is and always will be. Now, I'm not religious in a sense, but I just like to bring all perspectives again into cohesion, into coherence, so that we can understand that we're we're not that different, any of us, by the way that we see things. It's just through different lenses, but we're all looking at the same thing. So my my real goal is to to bring everybody into that coherence to be able to see what others are seeing. So in these healing sessions then in these healing experiences. You know, I call them quantum healing, quantum coaching. I'll start out initially by calling on the spiritual energies, spiritual energies. Now these are when you get deeper into esoteric teaching, into Eastern philosophy, different, you know, Vedic traditions, all of these different traditions, these perspectives have their own names for the same things. So it's just like if I were to say, Chris, I'm going to shoot you a text and I say, Chris, I'm going to call you. And I go into my phone and I click, all right, call Chris. And all of a sudden you answer on the phone. You're there, right? It's like magic. I mean, it's science, but <laughs> we can only imagine. So the the same way that then the Wi-Fi, you know, your computer, my computer is able to pick up a Wi-Fi signal. I mean, show me that connection. You can't, can you show me it? No. No, we can see, we can see the effect of it. Mm-hmm. Right. In the fact that we are able to communicate right now, we can see the effect of this connection to these higher energies by the fact of the experience and the effect that it causes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So by tapping into these, these higher refined energies, these subtle energies within self, then we are able to guide, hold space for another to tap into them, these ener- same energies within themselves, even if they are not trained or tuned to do so. So that's why many of these spiritual practices, these spiritual healings that are effective and that work are because people have spent, you know, 40 years, 50 years sitting with themselves, connecting to these frequencies, connecting to these energies. On a computer, we can just type in a a, uh, a webpage. Right. Or chat right? GPT and ask a question. <laughs> So, so that's, that's the biggest step I would say right there. And that's why I spent so much time on it is to really connect in and you can only connect into another to the depth that you're able to connect into yourself. You can only love another to the depth that you're able to love yourself. And you can only know another to the depth that you're able to know yourself. So connecting into these energies, now we're setting the space. This is creating a coherent energetic field. So coherence, why is coherence important? Coherence is when you take waves, you bring them together and they are in perfect sympathetic resonance so that the sum becomes greater or the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts. Therefore, doing what? Allowing more energy 
So now what we're doing is essentially opening up a channel. This is why they call it channeling, right? You're channeling energy. We are actively opening up a channel to allow more power to come in. And these are sensory experiences that people will have. They will feel, you know, tingling or they'll feel, they'll feel hotness on their hands or they'll feel a, a tingling sensation or a, a buzzing, or they may have different um, sensory experiences. But these are all evidence or proof of the effect of that cause. Now, one could say, you know, it's all in the mind, but what isn't in the mind? Alchemists believe the mind is all. That's their first principle. All is mind. I mean, we call, again, going back to the 37 to 100 trillion cells in the human body, what do they each have around them? A mem brain. Mem in Hebrew means water. Memory. Remember. A mem brain. A brain. So a water brain. Each cell is its own brain. So, so cool. by creating, it is, it's beautiful. It's really poetic, isn't it? So by bringing coherence between all of the cells, now this is the physical effect, right? Which is why this stuff works for physical symptomology too, is that by bringing coherence into the body, then the body is able to allow that natural flow of energy to move in it with it through it so that all of its processes can be carried out in a perfect homeostatic fashion. Now, every thought, you know, they've looked at the power of thought and don't quote me on this, but I remember looking at a video that was showing some study they did looking at the energy behind thought. They recorded it. It was a uh, astronaut ex experiment and they had two twins, one staying down on earth at its home base and one going up into a rocket. And at a certain point, I believe the one who, uh, one attempted to communicate to the other, but they were already responding to the other before the other had asked the question. Wow. So thought is in, entangled, right? So we can talk about the idea of quantum entanglement. It moves at least or travels at least twice the speed of light. So when we talk about these subtle energies, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the energies of thought. That's why many ancient teachings talk about thoughts, the gods' thoughts. So powerful everywhere, that thought. So now by getting into the space, we create the space of of healing, calling in these energies. And now we walk through an experience where whatever you are experiencing, whatever you're suffering from, whatever you are not happy with what is being created in your life, you now take the responsibility of becoming the creator of that experience. Now, when this stuff doesn't work, it's because oftentimes people have difficulty taking responsibility for what they're creating in their life. And if you're not used to that. Yeah. So that. That is another bridge to cross when working with people is, are you ready to take responsibility for what you've created in your life? Now, this does parlay with karma, with reincarnation, right? Because maybe you created this experience, but it wasn't in this life. You're like racking your mind. Where did I create this? Why would I do this? Yeah, I get that sense for sure. So it's being able to have the understanding and the awareness that that is a potential possibility created by another. That's why in the end, it actually doesn't even matter what I believe. As the healer, right? As the healer, right. It only matters what you believe. Your perception on that. So using now the power of thought to become the conscious creator of what you are manifesting, of what you are experiencing after the space has been set to be a healing space. And again, it's the intention that is carrying the power. now. We move into, okay, I'll take responsibility for this. What does this look like outside of a 3D plane? We're multidimensional beings. 
So what does this, what does this manifestation, this experience, this symptom, this pattern of behavior, this relationship to myself or to someone or something outside of me, substance, person, place, thing, situation, circumstance, idea, belief, what does that look like? So we can bring in the creator aspect to take the energy of this experience filtered through platonic Archimedean solids, the ego, the filter to manifest into form. So what does that look like on another plane of existence? And that's why I'll have you or the client, student, then create that and ask you, guide you, prompt you on, okay, what does this look like? For instance, right? It could be a, a square, a blue square. I usually like to keep it simple on a 2D plane, but we could expand this out to really anything. And this is where you get to create your experience. Now, what does this do? On, the, on a deeper, deeper level, you now know that you have power over what you've created. So now you're taking responsibility for what you've created. If you've created it, just like this podcast, right? You created this podcast. Yes. <laughs> it, it ends when you say it ends. The entire thing. You, ha you have that power. I don't have that power. So how the podcast moves, how it expresses, how it unfolds, how it evolves is primarily your responsibility. So think of the podcast, right? Perfect analogy, metaphor, just for any disease state. If the podcast isn't going the way you want it to go, go in, take responsibility for it and say, you know what? I want to go this direction. So same exact pattern for our life with relationships, for our, our life with disease states, with symptomologies. It's just realizing that we actually have the power to change those things instead of giving it away. I love that. I feel like you you need your, I hate to say the word church, but something comes to mind like you need a, a place to, to preach this. So maybe through your, your <laughs> podcast that you're going to take responsibility. Right? Isn't it amazing that church by definition is body, Chris? Is it? Okay. Mm, yes. But I know you mentioned that you have training opportunities. So if listeners are interested in learning more from you, so where can they find that? Yeah, I've got my link tree uh, link I sent you. Is that going to be available? That'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. So then they can go ahead and click there. And I've actually got an empowerment call on there. That's a free 20 minute call with me uh, where we can go ahead and, and discuss uh, the different things that I offer and how I could best support you in evolving your practice to become a more holistic and comprehensive approach to healthcare, to mental health and wellness, to really creating freedom really creating a wholeness within self and, and others and giving people an opportunity to see that there is another way. And we there don't have to another keep, way. Yes. We don't have to keep doing what we've been doing, right? We don't have to feel like we're stuck. We can move, we can, we can evolve, we can grow. And sometimes that can be difficult, but I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm happy to support you in any way that I can. Yes. And I believe you. <laughs> He is awesome. So definitely reach reach out to him. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was amazing. It's such a lovely experience. I'm so grateful to be here, Chris. Yes. And that wraps up another episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. If you're a new listener to the podcast, I want to say welcome. As a listener, you have access to my free nine-part email course, How to Build Confidence as a Holistic Therapist. In this course, you'll explore different holistic modalities, how to boost your confidence as a holistic therapist, and how to manifest your practice. You'll also get bonuses, including a free script to teach yoga in session and journaling prompts to guide you through. So go ahead and enhance your holistic journey today. Go to holisticcounselingpodcast.com. Scroll down and enter your name and email address today. And once again, this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Till next time, take care. 
The information in this podcast is for general educational purposes only and is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guest are giving legal, financial, counseling, or any other kind of professional advice. If you need a professional, please find the right one for you.